Hi, folks. I'm Mark Middleton, along with Bill Schaefer. This is Growing Bolder, the show that aspires to inspire, Ooh. to not only entertain you each week, but also offer hope, inspiration, and possibility. Oh, I like that. And you know how we do it? We bring you ordinary people that are living extraordinary lives, men and women proving that it is never too late to live the life you really want. Today, we're going to check in with a couple of corporate and civic leaders to see how they're staying active but inspiring others to do the same thing. Plus, personal fashion guru Stacey London will talk about things you just shouldn't wear. (laughs) Also, Lorna Luft, Judy Garland's multi-talented daughter who isn't afraid to tackle any part of the entertainment industry, and a renowned sleep specialist, both here to improve the way we eat and sleep. I'm going to throw a name at you. You're going to know it right away. Diamond Dallas Page. You probably know him as one of the true legends of professional wrestling, a three-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, and a (laughs) four-time World Tag Team Champion. Yeah, here's what we love about this guy. Talk about reinventing yourself. DDP is one of the all-time great reinventors. These days, he's a motivational speaker, a nutritional expert, a fitness guru, and founder of DDP Yoga, a unique program responsible for some pretty amazing results. Let's find out more as we welcome Diamond Dallas Page. Hey, Dallas, how are you? Good morning, fellas. I love I love the intro to your show. Uh, it's you know so many people want to focus on the negative, and you guys are focused on the positive. That's a great show. That's the whole beginning to a great show. Man, you hit the nail on the head. That is what we are all about, letting people know it's never too late to create a life of significance. How does a former WCW World Heavyweight Champ become not only a yoga instructor, but essentially a founder of an entirely new type of yoga? Well, you know, for starters, you got to understand, I didn't, you talk about never too late, I didn't start wrestling until I was 35. My career did not take off till I was 40. So I was constantly trying to find ways to hold back the hands of time. Um, 96 was when my career took off. 1996, I was 40 years old, 41, 42, 97, 98. Wrestling was at its all-time high. And then I ruptured my L4 and L5. You guys know where that is in your lower back? Yeah, not a good one to rupture. Yeah, right. It's like anybody who's listening, if you've got back pain, it has totally to do 90% of the time with your L4 and your L5 or one of the two, et cetera. And when I ruptured my L4 and L5, three doctors said I was done. My career was over. And that was uh, helpfully into some emotional gravity. you know. And uh, my wife, we were still married at the time. She was like, baby, why don't you try yoga to heal your body? And you got to understand, first 42 years of my life, I'm a guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. Because that's just, that's how I was raised and on the Jersey Shore. And um, I realized that flexibility was youth, not just in my body, but in my mind. And once I became flexible to the idea of actually trying it, it really started to help me. It started to help me with my flexibility and my core strength. And then I started mixing it with rehab. So I'm doing rehab the whole time. And I rehab both shoulders, both knees. Now I'm rehabbing my back. And I'm mixing the rehab moves with the yoga moves and then I mixed in some old school calisthenics and one day I just figured out and it, it took a while to do this but I figured out if you flex a muscle your chest your quad your glute I don't care what muscle it is if you flex it your heart will have to beat a little faster to get the blood to the muscle now when you start engaging all your muscles like when you're running your heart rate goes from walking to jogging, to running, to sprinting, your heart rate will go up higher and higher and higher and higher. But I figured out with DDP yoga, if you flex your muscles as you move from one position to another, your heart rate will get jacked up and get you in a fat-burning zone standing still. And this is what I needed. I needed a workout that was zero impact on my body, unlike Insanity or P90X or CrossFit, Monster Impact. I needed zero impact. So that's what DDP yoga became. Zero impact, kick-ass cardio, dramatically increase your flexibility, 
Anchor Strength Conditioning. So people start finding out about this, and you know what? It starts to catch on, and it starts to spread. And people come to Dallas Page, and they go, hey, t- teach me that. Explain that to me again. And one guy came to Diamond Dallas Page. His name is Arthur Borman. This guy's a veteran. He spent years as a paratrooper and until he couldn't walk anymore on his own, his back was so bad. And now, how did Arthur contact you and, and tell us the amazing thing that happened from that? Well, Arthur, back he had my first program. Actually, Arthur's in my second program. Here's a guy who is 5'6", 297, with knee braces that strap into a back brace and the wraparound canes that wrap around your wrist. He could not walk without these aids. And his doctors told him he would never walk again without the aids of of braces and canes. And when he came to me, I had sent out a letter, everybody who bought the program, telling them, listen, I'm not trying to sell you anything. You already bought it, but I'd love to hear some feedback. His was pretty thorough. So I I came back and said, sounds like you need some help. He said, tell me a little more about yourself. And his opening line was, I've relegated to thinking of myself as a piece of furniture. Mm. And then he went on to tell me he was morbidly obese and he was a disabled veteran. I said, send me some pictures so I could see what I look, I'm looking at. And when I saw him with the knee braces, didn't know there was a back brace because you couldn't see it. And the wraparound canes, I was like, wow, now how am I going to help this guy? I knew my workout would help, but I don't know if he could do it. And uh, he figured out how to do it using a chair to balance himself, which I never would have thought of. You know, I'm, I wasn't in his position. So he adapted to the situation, but I put him on my phase three eating plan, and there's three different phases for DDP yoga, the, the eating plan, and phase three is all about health. And uh, if you really want to heal yourself, you start with food, not the fake processed garbage. I'm talking about real food, the food that God gave us. And it proved to me, watching him go through this transformation, both Arthur's initial goal was to do was to lose 50 pounds so that doctors would operate on his knees, because both knees were bot surgeries. And he, you know, they wouldn't operate on being that obese. Hmm. So his goal is to lose 50 pounds. The first month, he lost 34 pounds. The second month, he lost 22 pounds. That's 56 pounds. A gentleman, I'll tell you right now, at 10 months, he lost 140 pounds. But let's forget the weight. Arthur never had his knees operated on. So through proper nutrition and the right type of zero-pack exercise, you can strengthen your body. And all you have to do is watch the videotape. Watch him try to hold the position and fall on his face and pull himself back up again, and fall on his face, and pull himself back up again, and fall on his face. It's not about how many times you go down, or how many times you get back up again. Arthur's been like, the video, never give up Arthur Borman. That video is over 6 million views. It went viral and changed the face of my company, and really got people going, oh my God, this is the greatest workout ever. It's a great transformation video, folks, because you see Arthur Borman when he starts and when he finishes, and we will put a link to that at growingbolder.com, but you can also get a link to it at ddpyoga.com. And, uh, and if we can, there's so much to talk to you about, uh, Dallas. You had a legendary feud with Randy Savage, who passed away this year. <laughs> the truth is, you guys were great friends, and, and in many ways, you actually owe your career to him, true? Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's always, who's going to be that person that steps up and helps you? Uh, you know, a lot of people believe it's all about who you know, or who knows you. I believe it's all about who's willing to say they know you and Randy. Yeah. When we, when we work together, it's like an angle, a storyline we shoot. It's a program we put together, you know, that the office and the, you know, the characters put together, but I wasn't in a spot where I could say, Randy, I want to do this with you. Randy was in control. Randy controlled everything. And he gave to me a lot, and he helped really get me over. There's a great tribute to him on uh, just look up DDP. If you're a wrestling fan out there, look up DDP's tribute to Randy Macho Man Savage. Very heartfelt, very real. Um, he was an awesome cat. 
And and what you've done, I mean, you've taken the, his kindness or his willingness to help you. You've turned it around, and you're helping so many other people. Do you do you realize that you know people don't think of wrestlers in that term? They think of you know the steroid abuse and the physical punishment. But you've turned your whole life around and dedicated it to help others. Well, I was the guy who started wrestling at 35. His career broke loose, you know, and took off at 40. There was a lot of people. You know, a lot of fans out there that could identify with that. They were like so behind me to keep moving, you know, and keep getting, you know, higher and higher up, uh, you know, up the up the card on our uh, on our events uh, to the main event. And the people just got behind me, and they they were really inspired. And I've always, I try to, I not always do it, but I try to pretty much walk the talk. If I'm if I'm talking about it, you can pretty much bet I'm doing it. And a lot of people I've found they don't walk the talk. They talk a good game but they don't walk it, you know? So uh, well, what's happening right now in my life, someone said, so who is Diamond Dallas Page today? And I said, Diamond Dallas Page in the next five years will be known as the new Jack Lane meets Tony Robbins meets the straight Richard Simmons. <laughs> uh, you, you know what? You do not have to be a wrestling fan anymore to be a fan of Diamond Dallas Page. Folks, check out his website, ddpyoga.com, also ddpradio.net. Uh, Dallas, I wish we had more time to chat with you. Uh, keep on keeping on, brother, because uh, it, you're fun to watch. Leading by example, how healthy employees create a healthy bottom line. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Located in West Orange County, Orlando Health's Health Central Hospital is a full-service hospital with a newly expanded ER as well as top-rated neurospine and orthopedic programs. Learn more at orlandohealth.com. And by... The Legacy Life Project from Macbeth Studio. Preserving family history, stories, and memories for generations to come by creating personal video biographies of your loved ones. Everyone has a story worth preserving. LegacyLifeProject.com Bill Schaefer here with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Boulder. And we want to introduce you to two inspiring challengers in our executive challenge. This challenge is a program designed to shine the light on corporate and civic executives who lead by example when it comes to a healthy lifestyle. And that is exactly what Tony Jenkins does. In his role with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida, his goal is to help people actually stay out of the doctor's offices. And for Tony, that means hot yoga. Tony Jenkins is the market president for Central and Northwest Florida for Florida Blue. One of the state's largest private employers, Florida Blue now views itself as a health solutions company and not just a health insurance company. Because we all know in our industry that really to get at the way you control costs, you've got to get at um, health care on the front end. And uh, what better way than for us all to try to Uh, live up to that mantra. Florida Blue has opened neighborhood centers around the state where anyone can not only buy insurance and get advice on how to save money on health plans, but also get free health assessments and consult with nurses on healthy lifestyle issues. Our retail centers around the state, we feel, is really on the cusp of really the innovative solutions that we're bringing to communities. Um, It's a way for us all to get upfront personal one-on-one information, awareness, care. Inhale, head down, stomach in, chest up. Tony's personal wellness program includes regular sessions of Bikram yoga, called hot yoga because it's practiced inside a room heated to 105 degrees. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I spoke. I was speaking with someone about it today and they asked, are you crazy? You can't sit in a hot room for hour and a half, but I, I, I focused on, man, I, I try to block that out because the benefits are so wonderful. And, and you're right, I've done a number of things over the years to try to stay healthy, to try to stay active. And when a friend of mine introduced me to Bikram Yoga about three years ago, at first I was not as enthused about it after the first two classes, uh, but after that, uh, I'm just really an advocate of it. Arms back body back, spine straight up and down. Tony travels constantly and with his 55th birthday approaching, says hot yoga helps him turn back the clock. 
And when I'm in this room with the heat, I tell you, it allows me to become a lot more uh, flexible, mobile, I can maneuver, I can move. When I leave the class, I'm tired, but I feel actually energized because of the detoxing, because of the, the, the heat and the sweating that goes on. As you can imagine, there's just a real good uh, uh, detox that's going on throughout uh, my whole body. Inhale, breathing, gently come up. Tony Jenkins of Florida Blue, another active Central Florida executive who is leading by example, not only helping himself and others, but also his company. Everything around healthy living impacts our, our, our health in the short term and the long term, which ultimately helps businesses perform much better in their bottom line. Well, way to go, Tony. And what I like about this the most, there are as many ways to stay healthy, really, as there are people. For City Commissioner Robert Stewart, it's not about going to the gym. It's about going to the ball field, but, but not to play. Orlando City Commissioner Robert Stewart is gearing up to umpire a Little League baseball game, something he's been doing for quite a while. This is my 44th season. Wow. Yeah. I started when I was 14 years old. I'm out here for the kids. I don't get paid. Uh, we do this because we just love doing it. Doing what you love is Stuart's secret to success in fitness. You won't find him in a gym lifting weights or competing in triathlons. In my life, it's more high activity. I'm not a big believer in doing exercise just for exercise sake. Um, but I play golf and I walk when I play. Uh, I do this, and, that, and you can sweat off four, five, six pounds when you do this. Sure, how are you? <laughs> on the field, there's no question who's in charge. we got three on the bench. Yes, sir. They're all there. Yes, sir. Who is ineligible to pitch on your team? Nobody. Okay. The catchers, pitchers, make sure they're drinking between innings, no, no matter what. Um, just it'll make me happier. So if they go down, I won't feel guilty. Any questions you have? No, sir. All right. Go get them. Have a great time. Absolutely. Thanks. I tell people often uh, that there's two great books that control my life, the Little League rule book and the Bible, and they are incredibly similar. Um, Bible and the book and Little League rule book have rules that are just absolute. Robert treats every game as though it were the Little League World Series, and that's something he knows all about. Breaking ball, strike three, called, got him looking. You can only do two World Series in your entire career now. Uh, and so I had a chance to do the World Series here in Kissimmee for the Senior League, Little League program, and then went to Williamsport in 2005. Marty Miller is going to come out and speak with Robert that Stewart. Like a bunt. Can we ask for help? You can ask for help, but it wasn't a bunt. Okay, all right. Robert believes that healthy residents make for a healthy community, and as a city commissioner, he works to encourage active lifestyles. The city of Orlando is adding uh, up to 40 miles of uh, sidewalks in the course of the next two years. Um, we've, we've tried to do as much as we can in parks. We want active lifestyles. We want green spaces. We want those things that, uh, that attract people to be outdoors and be an active lifestyle. It's just really neat to see people start to want to go do stuff. Giving back to his community by volunteering his time and leading by example. For Robert Stewart, it's all part of the job. Here's a stat that's almost incomprehensible. According to the American Cancer Society, more than one out of every four of us will be diagnosed with cancer at some point in our lifetimes. One out of four. But you can greatly decrease those odds. How? Let's find out from registered dietitian and host of the podcast, Straight Talk About Eating Smart, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Thanks, Bill. Hey, you foodie friends. You know Steve Jobs got it. The rich and famous get it. So do the rest of us. Cancer. It is not Random. Yes, I'm a registered dietitian, so I'm all about sound science when it comes to nutrition. But I'm also a daughter who lost her dad to a horrible death from cancer way too young. And the sister who lost her brother to cancer at an even younger age of 40. So I've seen it, watched it, lived it. And I know firsthand what cancer can do to the people who face it and to those who love them and walk that path with them. Did you know that the American Cancer Society estimates that one-third, one-third of the annual cancer deaths could be prevented with weight loss, 
exercise, and a healthier diet. After watching my family members die from cancer, my interest in nutrition exploded. Now you know one of the big reasons why I have this passion for food and nutrition and health. If I can make a difference in your health or the health of someone you love, then I've done something that matters. And, you know, I think that's really important uh, thing that for people to know about you. All these diet and nutrition tips you get, you're not just throwing those out to make sure we fit into that swimsuit at the beach. Are you saying that changing our diet really does change our lives? Yeah, here's the short answer. There's never been a more compelling reason to lose a few pounds and find some activities and types of exercise that you'll participate in day to day. Make it a priority to assess your lifestyle determine how you can be more active. Any activity is better than nothing, and brisk activity is even better. And here is a straight talk tip that works. If you cut your calories by a mere 100 a day or burn 100 additional calories per day through activities, you will lose 10 pounds in one year. And let me say that again. You would lose 10 pounds with a simple action that's doable daily. That's 10 pounds less than you weigh right now. And it can be as simple as walking the dog, mowing the yard, or just climbing the steps to the office here. Wow, there has never been a better reason to make the change. She is Dr. Susan Mitchell. Coming up in a world filled with fashion experts who want to tell you what to wear, Stacey London stands alone as the fashion guru who tells you what not to wear. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being. Coming soon in Winter Park. Wellness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. I am Bill Schaefer, along with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Boulder. And our next guest says that she can help you start growing bolder when it comes to fashion. She's the host of TLC's hit show, What Not to Wear, but you've also seen her on the Today Show, Oprah, Access Hollywood, any big program about fashion, and you've seen her there. She is part personal fashion guru and part psychotherapist who's known for helping women break down the emotional barriers that keep them attached to some pretty unflattering fashion choices. And she's the author of a new book called The Truth About Style, in which she shares her own emotional issues. Let's find out more as we welcome Stacy London. Hey, Stacy. Hey, guys. How are you? Oh, man. We're, we're happy to talk to you, and, and we're ready to learn. You, you know, fashion Fashion by design, to me at least, seems to want to keep us in a state of confusion, so we have to continually buy more. And whether intentional or not, that leaves many women feeling inadequate and paralyzed when it comes to developing a style. What is the truth about style? Mm, I'm, I, well, I think you've nailed it on the head. I think that there's a difference between style and fashion. And fashion is that industry that you're talking about that makes its money by saying every six months we need new clothes, new makeup, you know, there's always a new trend to follow. Um, That doesn't necessarily bother me. You know, I think the fashion industry is so um, inherently creative. I love the fact that there's always something new. You know, if you suffer from ADD, when it comes to fashion, there's always something new for you to see. Um, The problem is that I think that women have internalized this idea that they have to follow what the industry dictates. And we've lost a little bit of our autonomy when it comes to what style means. And style is about the individual. Style is about starting with yourself, um, really accepting and, and uh, you know, adoring yourself as much as you can. I don't expect you to love every part of your body or Everybody wishes they had more money to buy clothes. I understand that, you know, there's life circumstance that gets in the way. But instead of comparing ourselves to the women that we see in advertising, and if we buy this mascara, 
you're going to look just like the cover of a magazine. You're not. It's not the right way to think about style. If you buy the mascara, you're going to look like you're wearing mascara. My point is, does it make you look better? Does it make you feel better? Does it enhance who you are instead of you know, endlessly comparing yourself to somebody you'll never be? And that is the danger. I think that women need to be sort of re-educated that they own their own style, that there's nobody that looks like them. So they really have to use their raw material to build the best version of themselves that they can. You know, you know, Stacey, there's two ways to do that, though, and, and one of them that everybody seems to focus on is, is, you know, how to do the right thing. But I think an even bigger part with fashion is the fear of doing the wrong thing. What, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see out there that, that people are terrified of making? Well, I, I think you actually say something more important than mistakes in, in that question, which is people have so much fear of making a mistake. And fear is, is the worst possible emotion when it comes to style. Because the fact is, there really are no mistakes when it comes to style. I mean, you talk about mistakes, right? If you wear the wrong sweater, guess what? You don't wear it again. It's not a life or death situation. You have to learn about your own style through trial and error. So it's not the mistakes that I worry about. It's the fact that people are afraid to make them. And therefore, they stay in a very safe zone. They hide in plain sight in clothes that don't fit them. They wear there are things that don't bring them joy, that don't flatter their figure, because they're so afraid of what could happen if they, if they try. What if they try and people say, oh, who do you think you are? Or what if they try and people say, oh, uh, that's an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, who cares? You need to decide on the things that actually bring you joy and make you feel better um, than allowing other people to dictate how you are going to literally behave in the way that you dress. Amen. There is that psychotherapist part we were talking about earlier. Folks, the book is called Stacey London, The Truth About Style, and and she puts some really ordinary women up there uh, and gives them uh, instead of makeovers, uh, something that she calls startovers. And I want to talk about that if we have time. But, but Stacy, one of the fascinating things about the book is what you share about your past, including the fact that you went from a 90-pound anorexic to a binge eater and literally went from 90 pounds to 180 pounds in one year. Yeah, My, pretty impressive, huh? Well, you know what? Impressive but, but frightening. Isn't someone like you working in the fashion industry kind of akin to an alcoholic working in the adult beverage industry? Wow. Um, well, let's see. It was at the very beginning of my career, um, and I would say that the, to be completely honest with you, um, you know, there was, there's been since the book came out, um, there's been a lot of, I think, kind of emphasis on the fact that I had an eating disorder. A lot of people have interviewed me about that, and it's funny. I did not expect that uh, big a reaction to it. Um, partly because I feel like there, there's been a lot of talk amidst uh, you know, people way more famous than me having struggled with eating disorders. Um, but for me, that really wasn't the beginning. The beginning was being diagnosed with a skin disorder at the age of, of four. I had psoriasis, and uh, it went from mild to severe at 11, at, where I was just completely covered in red scales. That was when I started to, I think, internalize really, you know, feeling badly about myself, um, that I was some sort of a a monster because I I looked like one. Um, And, you know, it was very hard for me to get rid of the feeling of, of not being as good as other people. I just didn't feel like other people. I felt like an alien. Um, and, and that was the beginning of my, I think, kind of unhealthy attraction towards fashion, which was all about beauty and surface and sparkliness for me. Um, but, you know, sometimes we get what we need in life. And the eating disorders really came out of that struggle of, of not feeling like enough. And, and not feeling, um, you know, that I, I was ever really anything uh, worthwhile. That started much earlier in my life with, with the skin disease. Um, 
So for me, it wasn't like being an alcoholic in the adult bev- beverage industry. It was that I, I was simultaneously, I think, trying to figure out um, what it meant to have self-worth and also pursue a passion, which I really do love fashion. I really do. Whether I was 90 pounds, 180 pounds, uh, I loved the, the industry. And I wanted to be able to kind of reconcile the two, maybe unconsciously, but it took all the way until I got to what not to wear to recognize that I needed a training in fashion, really to technically understand how to style a photograph, style a model, style a celebrity, style a real person, to understand that what I was really interested in was the emotional component that style has for real people. So instead of being concerned with what designers are doing every season and what the biggest trends are, I'm much more interested in the power of a great pair of jeans to make a working mom feel awesome. And I wouldn't have gotten there without my personal um, journey and certainly what I learned technically from the fashion industry. So, you know, sometimes things that feel like they are completely incompatible or feel like, wow, you know, if you have an eating disorder, you should stay away from fashion. Um, For me, it was really part of, I look at it as part of the journey that I needed to be on to come to the conclusions that I have drawn about style and and my philosophy of style. Wow, great answer. Uh, Stacey, we're down to our final 30 seconds. Real quickly, Mark Zuckerberg wears the same thing every day. So uh, So did Steve Jobs and Albert Einstein. Can women get away with that? Is there an acceptable everyday outfit for a woman or is that just wrong? Um, I, I think that women would, would probably just not be as into that. But you know what? I don't, I don't know if you read. There was, I think it was a Michael Lewis piece in, in Vanity Fair about President Obama. And he was saying he always wears a navy or a gray suit simply because he does not have time to make decisions that are that trivial. He, he wants to keep his mind on bigger things like Afghanistan or Pakistan or whatever's going on in the world. Um, and I think that in the case of those three men, that it's a similar mindset. Uh, women have a much more complicated relationship to style and a much greater emotional investment. Um, and I think that part of their self-esteem really is derived from that kind of self-expression. So I would hate to think that there's one uniform that any woman would just wear um, in order to only think about other things, because I feel as if that would be a denial of part of who she is. The book is called The Truth About Style, and it is head and shoulders above your average fashion or style book. It goes much deeper. You'll find helpful things in it, and you'll find ways to change the way you look at how you look. It's a great advice from Stacey London. Thanks so much for uh, being with us, and look forward to chatting with you again soon. Coming up next, are you getting your Z's? The importance of sleep and how to get it properly. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Masan Spine Institute, where world-renowned minimally invasive techniques lead to fast recovery. The Masan Spine Institute, excellence in spinal surgery. More information at masansi.com. And by... Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Oh, you got to stay awake for this one. I'm Bill Schaefer, along with Mark Middleton here on Growing Boulder. And you've heard the saying, if you snooze, you lose. Well, that's not altogether accurate. In fact, getting a good snooze, well, you really need that for your overall health. It turns out, Bill, that as a general rule of thumb, people in good health do tend to sleep well, whereas regular sleeping problems can indicate underlying health problems, either physical or mental, which is why we're pleased to welcome a noted sleep expert, Dr. Celia Lima. Hey, Doc, how are you? I'm doing great. Excited to be here with you guys. Boy, you sound like you got a good night's sleep. I did, actually. (laughs) (laughs) You talk about a topic that that is universal. Before we talk about improving our sleep habits, tell us how common sleep disorders are, and is there any correlation between sleep disorders and age? 
Well, that's a very interesting uh, question. Actually, sleeping disorder is more common than most think uh, most people think because um, we tend to take for granted, like, you no, know, go to sleep, you wake up in the morning, and get on with the day. But many people have issues. Uh, keeping a good night of sleep, and uh, sometimes in the morning they are not refreshed and ready to go for the day. And there are some underlying conditions that might be affecting the sleep that many people don't realize. What, what are some of those? Well, um, mainly um, we need to make sure that before you jump in to say you have insomnias or sleep disorders like sleep apnea, you have to make sure that you have a good workout with your primary care practitioner to make sure you don't have any other underlying problems such as um, uh, imbalance with your thyroid um, hormones. Sometimes uh, anemia could cause you to have you know uh, problems with sleep and most uh, people will uh, deal with some kind of sleep disorders um, uh, related to stress, and that could be from many uh, causes. So, so, doctor, do you always know it when you have a sleep problem? For example, and I'm thinking there's a lot of people like this, sometimes my wife will say, oh, you must have had a terrible night. You were flopping and flipping and jumping and gasping and kicking, and I'll say, I didn't know there's a difference at all. Well, that's very common. I see patients every day in my office that are brought in by the spouse. And the patient says, I don't know why I'm here because I think I sleep well, I don't have any problem. But the spouse uh, uh, tells me, oh, no, you know, he kicks and, you know, like, like just you said, you know, he snores and, you know, gasps for air. And um, the spouse is a very good source of information because they sometimes are disturbed by the way the partner is sleeping in bed. So, yes, it is true that uh, many times the person does not perceive as a problem. But many times they do because the way they feel sluggish and sleepy during the day, that could be as well an indication. I know we're all individuals, Doc, and there's got to be some, some variation here. But in general, as a rule of thumb, how much sleep do we all need and what can happen to us if we don't get it? That's a very good question, and depends on the source of information. You're going to have different numbers, but mostly between seven and nine hours would be a, um, a good night of sleep. Uh, if some people go a little bit over nine, that would be too much sleep and might cause a reverse effect. And under seven, some people can go a little under seven and function well, but usually you need between seven and nine hours of sleep. Something I've also heard bandied around, is it possible, could it actually be that there's a correlation between not getting enough good sleep and and even things like cardiac issues? Oh, definitely. There are many researchers that uh, back up uh, this topic, uh, especially heart disease. Um, High blood pressure uh, is well documented that has a correlation with sleep apnea. And many people, after correcting the sleep apnea, they have a better control of um, blood pressure issues. Some patients even get off uh, blood pressure medication after correcting sleep apnea. So it's well uh, documented the correlation with uh, cardiac arrhythmias. And also people with sleep apnea, uh, basically obstructive sleep apnea, uh, they have a high risk for strokes and heart attacks. You know, it would seem that if you're uh, awake, you're burning more calories than if you're asleep. But I've also read that there is a correlation between getting too little sleep and gaining weight. Is that true? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a hot topic, especially with the uh, nationwide problem with obesity. Uh, people that don't get enough, enough sleep, they, they do have a tendency to uh, gain weight and or to have problems losing weight. Um, it has a, a, you know, a whole medical explanation behind it, but I'm not going to get into the details. But basically, people that don't get enough sleep, they have uh, what we call sleep deprivation. They might um, have problems losing weight. And also, the way they feel refreshed during the day, uh, the energy level is not there to keep them active enough to you know, go to the gym or even to you know, go around the day. So, yes, if you don't have enough sleep, you might have a problem to maintain a, a, a good weight. Doc, what a great topic this is. You know, and, and I'm sure that if you ask people, none of us think we get enough sleep. But, but how do we know the difference between being a whiny baby about it and needing to go get medical attention for it? Well, um, that's very personal, actually. Uh, when you think about how much uh, sleep is a good sleep for you, um, I usually tell my patients, um, 
try to measure how much sleep do you need during a vacation time. If you go, you know, away, you're not worrying about time to get up to go to work or put the kids, you know, out to school, things like that. Just see how much sleep do you need uh, through the night that you're relaxing. And that might be an indication of how much sleep do you need on a regular basis. And some people might go, you know, a couple of nights with less sleep than they need. And we've all been there, you know, with stress, with work, and, you know, so many uh, competing um, activities for our time. We might go a couple of nights without the regular uh, required sleep. And you might be able to catch up, you know, over the weekend or something like that. But if you do that on a regular basis, it will come back to you and be detrimental for your health overall. So... Yeah, it's very personal, and you might be able to uh, figure out yourself because if you see that you sleep in seven and a half hours and you wake up refreshed and ready to go, that might be, you know, your number. And also, if you want to be more specific, you want to see how many um, cycles of sleep do you need during the night because basically we have uh, the cycles with um, stage one, two, three, four. Some some people don't get to four, the deep sleep, and then they go up for REM, which is the rapid eye movement when you're dreaming. Those cycles usually is about an hour and a half each one. So most most people do well with four or five cycles, but it might be that you get away with less or a little bit more. So, you know, if you want to be really specific, you might get into those details, and it's very interesting. She is Dr. Celia Lima, a noted sleep expert. Coming up, a powerhouse performer and the daughter of an entertainment legend. That's next on Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... The UCF College of Medicine, where physicians, scientists, and teachers are discovering innovative solutions for today's medical challenges and bringing them to you. Learn more about the college's physician practice at ucfhealth.com. Subscribe to Growing Boulder Magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble, to neglect. This, of course, is Growing Boulder. I, of course, am Mark Middleton, and that good-looking gentleman is Bill Schaefer. Our next guest is an amazing performer who really hasn't found anything that she can't excel at. She's a celebrated live performer, a stage, film, and television actress. She's a best-selling author, a recording artist, and an Emmy-nominated producer. And she's the daughter of the legendary entertainer Judy Garland and producer Sid Luft and the half-sister, of course, of Liza Minnelli. Let's say hi to Lorna Luft. How are you, Lorna? I'm very well. How are you? I'm uh, t- great, too. You know, we, we spent a lot of time, I have to admit, writing your intro and, you know, trying to come up with a way not to mention Judy, not to mention Liza. Does that bother you, or do you say, hey, wait a minute, you know, I got a pretty good pedigree here? Well, I mean, <laughs> they're my family, so, I mean, it, it's not, um, uh, it, 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 it's something, let's put it this way, I'm, 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 I'm good with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> And I guess it comes with the territory when you're part of Hollywood royalty, right? I would imagine if you want to call that, you know, Hollywood royalty, <laughs> I guess I am. Absolutely. You made your debut at age 11 on the Judy Garland show. Have you always loved performing, or were you kind of talked into it? No, I wasn't talked into it. I made up my own mind. Um, of course, you know, it's not that unusual uh, of what I did. I mean, you come from family of doctors, somebody's going to be a doctor, you come from a family of lawyers, somebody's going to be a lawyer. It's just that this is, I just joined the family business. And one of your latest projects now is you are headlining the new season of the fabulous Palm Springs Follies and it's all new show called Dance to the Music. Now this group, the Follies, folks, if you don't know, this is an amazing group, inspiring in so many ways, including the fact that their cast includes some pretty amazing performers from, you know, the mid-50s all, all the way up, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, I love being in a show where I, I'm called the kid, I think that the show should be called The Inspiring Palm Springs Follies. Um, It's a wonderful um, show that's been going on for, oh gosh, 
20, 30-some-odd years, and um, when they asked me to headline it, I thought, you know, look, I can stay in my house and be at home for the holidays and, um, you know, be sort of in a show in my own backyard. You know, I uh, just, just for the heck of it, I... I Googled uh, Lorna Luft quotes because I figured that was a good uh, way to learn more about you. And, and when you look at the body of some of the stuff that you have said, you really realize what an incredible life you've, you've led, including one quote that you said, I spent an entire evening seated between Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly being charmed from either side. It was pure Hollywood magic. What must that have been like? You know, it, it was it, those were my family. You know, those were the those were my mom's peers and her friends. So it would be just like any other family who you were sitting between that your parents worked with. My peers and my family's peers were just really famous, but they were to me they were people. They they worked very very hard and they had their struggles and their ups and their downs, but it just got out, you know, outlived in, in the newspapers, and that's the downside of, of this industry. But the, the good news is that I was there to celebrate their legacy, and to, I was there to say I knew them. I, I was there. Uh, that's the one thing that I take pride, and I take um, so much i'm i'm so i i guess you can say that yeah i i'm very very lucky and not only that lorna i mean you that's not the only incident didn't the rat pack have something to do with some kind of a get together at your house yeah yeah my mom and my dad used to have a poker night um at their house in beverly hills and they invited the neighbors and the neighbors were humphrey bogart and lauren bacall and Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and, you know, the guys, you know, and, and they were the neighbors. And so they would have this poker party that was, I, I would imagine I was a child, but well, that was fun and, and all of that. And there was a gossip columnist, and she wanted to be invited to the poker party, and nobody wanted her around. Um, and she didn't like that very much, so she wrote in her gossip column and that rat pack in Beverly Hills as a sort of put down well my mom thought that was hysterically funny and she went out to a jewelry store with the great um literary agent swifty lazar irving swifty lazar and had little rat stick pins with rubies for eyes made for the whole group and said i guess we're now the rat pack wow Amazing. folks we're talking to uh, lorna luft who uh, in and of herself could be a, a history lesson of the history of hollywood but the neat thing about lorna is she continues to to put herself out there continues to grow continues to perform at some of the world's most prestigious venues in, in many different ways uh this season she is headlining the fabulous palm springs follies in their new show dance to the music and um you know it, it's when your mother passed away, I mean, it was such a big deal in Hollywood. When your parent is a public idol, you have said you never really get a chance to lay that parent to rest. Uh, and Bill Bill kind of touched on this when he asked you, you know, are you bothered by the fact that everybody wants to talk to you about your mom? Uh, were you able to, to mourn and, and get beyond her death in a normal way, or is it something that you just can't ever get, get past? Well, I don't think when you lose a parent at any age, it's painful. And it is... It becomes your normal as time goes on. And for me, I never think of closure and I never think of going and getting past that. I think you go through your grief and it never gets better. It just gets different. And when you have a very, very famous parent, you're reminded that they're not here every single day. And that is something that you have to come to terms with. And you get, you, as time goes on, as you grow up, you have to, and you have your children, like I have my children, you have to realize, um, you have to just realize that, that they have a legacy that you can teach them and that some people, many people, I should say many, many people, 
only have a still photograph, and I am so blessed that I have an entire library of film and recordings and television shows. Lorna, in our final 30 seconds, you're also uh, leaving a legacy by continuing to perform. I mean, you don't have to be doing this, but but you get out there, and it's sort of proving that age really doesn't make a difference if what you're doing is following your passion. No, I don't think age has anything to do with it. I mean, I really, really don't. I mean, there are amazing performers who who are performing all around the world at, at at different ages in their life, the the, the lucky thing is that you're <laughs> the lucky thing is that you got a job. You know, right now is a really pretty scary time in 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 in, the, in really the first time in show business where there are too many performers and not enough jobs. And I know that that is a um that's a that's a that's a a, a big. Um, deal for not only people like myself in show business, but just people in this country right now. So I understand, and so what I am is grateful that I have a job. I'm grateful that people want to see um, and, and hear me sing. I am, I'm grateful for that, and I don't take it for granted. She is grateful. She is Lorna Luft, and she is uh, an amazing performer. Check out more about Lorna by going to LornaLuft.com. Lorna, thanks for your time, and, uh, and have a great year. Well, there you have it, folks, another episode of Growing Boulder. And, of course, we hope at the very least that it amuses and entertains you. But what we really want is to get the message out there that it's never too late to get off the couch and get into life. Never too late for you to chase your dreams. And, you know, Growing Boulder is everywhere, not just here on the radio, but also Growing Boulder TV, GrowingBoulder.com, and now Growing Boulder Magazine. So join Team GB and get with the program. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and we will keep you up to date on all things Growing Boulder. See you next time. Growing Boulder is a production of Boulder Broadcasting, all rights reserved. This program was recorded live at the studios of WMFE Orlando. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Jackie Carlin, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producer is Katie Widrick. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member is you. Remember, when it comes to growing bolder, it's not about age, it's about attitude. Crimson flames tied through my ears, flowing high and mighty trapped. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I. Good.